Good morning, church. To your feet as you're able. Go for it. <laughs> faith 
Thank God who burns the chariots with fire Lord of hosts, you're with us With us in the fire With us as a shelter With us in the storm You will lead us Through the fiercest battle Oh, where else would we go With the Lord of hosts Oh, God of Jacob Fierce and great You lift your voice to speak
Beautiful God, we thank you so much for you are the creator, you are a good God, you are indeed worthy. You are sovereign, you are in control, and you are Lord over all. And every person here who agrees with me with a resounding, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, whether you're here in person or joining us online. Uh, thank you for being part of Sunday morning here at Northview. We've got some exciting things happening. The first is uh, we, our new associate pastor, James Lund. He and his wife, Sarah, and their three boys are on their way here. I was actually, I just heard from them a couple days ago. They're doing like a 10-day road trip uh, visiting friends and family before they show up here in a couple weeks. Now, we wanted to do something fun. Now, you guys, one of the biggest blessings that you guys are, one of the, the biggest things that you guys do is you are a welcoming body. This is James's email address. He is not going to have access to log in. James, if you're, if you're watching, which he, he might be, we're not giving you the password yet. This is his email address. If you want to, at some point in the next week or two, just send him a note. Say, hey, welcome, what's up? Here's our favorite restaurants. We're so excited that you're here. Anything like that, please be encouraging and welcoming so that when he logs in on his first day, he just feels Northview instantly, especially since we can't all get out there together. We might not be able to do some sort of family meal like we were hoping to do. Who knows what we'll do to welcome him, but this is one thing that we would be able to do as a family. So I want to encourage you, take a moment, shoot him a message, welcome him to our family. So, yeah, woo! <laughs> So as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, step-by-step step this week is going mobile. We're doing a drive-through uh, on December 5th. It's also at a different time. It's 1 to 3 instead of in the evening like we normally do. We're going to have the parking lot down below set up. Families are going to be able to pull in. We're going to welcome them. We're going to be cheering them. We're going to be directing them through. We've got all sorts of stuff that we're going to be giving them. We're still going to need help in person from both adults and from youth. We've been talking to the high school about making sure they know they're still very much needed to help, student, uh, to help families feel welcome and to hand things out and to set up and to tear down and all that great stuff. We also need help preparing for it, whether that be financially or if, you, if you've seen in the lobby, there's the gift boxes that we're hoping to give one of those to every family. You could provide that. Whatever you want to do to be able to help, we would take it. If you go online you're going to be able to see some more of the, what, the direct ways that you're going to be able to help. We also have our one and only Pam Mitchells. And <laughs> yeah, woo! Uh, if you want to talk to her about how to help out, you can see her email address up there. She's also here this morning. So if you want to grab her after service and talk to her about how you could help, what is the direct need, we would love for you to be a part of that. Uh, and if you have middle school and high school students, this week we will have signups for them to be able to help as well both the day before in setup as well as during the event. Uh, and I'll have more information in the youth email newsletter this week about that. Uh, lastly, the Hardaways are on their way here. Well, they're in town. Are they? They're not here yet. Almost here. It's just, it's been so long. We're so excited to have the Hardaways come here and stop in before they head out uh, to Papua New Guinea later this year. Um, so they're going to be the recipient of our thank offering this year. That's a special offering that we take uh, as a church body on the, on the Sundays on either end of Thanksgiving, which is in just a couple of weeks. So we wanted to make you aware of that so you could plan accordingly. Uh, if you want to get a jump on giving and, and mark something for the thank offering, you're more than welcome to do that. But just know those two Sundays will be taking a special offering uh, to be able to get the Hardaways, the rest of their funding, be able to give them a gift as they head off uh, into the mission field. If you've been at Northview for a while, we've been helping them, we've been praying for them and supporting them, and we're almost there. And it's very exciting, and they're going to be here soon and be able to share more about uh, what the last couple years has looked like and what things are going to look like as they head to Papua New Guinea. So I'd love for you to be a part of that. Well, hey, let's go before the Lord this morning, uh, and then Steve can come up. Uh, Jesus, this is an exciting time of year. We can celebrate James and the Hardaways, Lord. We can look forward to step by step. Thank you for the people of this church that give time, that give money, that give resources, uh, that give prayers for all these different things that we have going on, Lord. It's an encouraging time in the midst of a lot of uncertainty, especially as we look back on the last year. Thank you for our time here this morning, Lord. Be with us in your son's name. Amen. Hey, my main man, Zeb Fenimore, is right there. He's going to take the middle schoolers, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders upstairs. If that's you, head on with him.
That's awesome. Hey, good morning, everybody. Boy, worship team. Wow. That was, that was incredible. Thank you so much. Man, great, great setting. Hey, a couple things also we want to update on. We just passed our one-year anniversary. We weren't able to do it last week at Kazmunin and everything, but uh, on Move the Mountain, right? Remember that was a two-year campaign? We just passed the first year. We, I kind of went by us. Uh, we didn't even realize it, but um, this has been a real work of the Lord, a real work of the Holy Spirit among us in, in the church, and uh, we were able to pay off the loan. We paid off $403,000 in less than a year and a half. That is incredible. Let's give the Lord a hand on that. I mean, wow, right? We didn't think we'd be able to be there. And uh, now we are uh, heading towards these three right now. As we sit here this Sunday, uh, according to last week, we have 78000 in the Move the Mountain Fund that we built up. Right now we're aiming at uh, planting Northview, North Wind. We've, Northview's planted, sorry. <laughs> North Wind, John and Jessica are sitting right there. And uh, we're planning on that. We're, we'll keep giving you updates and heads on that, but uh, we're moving that direction. Also, because of that and because that loan is paid off, we were able to bring James and Sarah on staff, and that they'll be here uh, within two weeks. So that's going to be really exciting. And then the big one is the, the dream of purchasing this building, right? And that, that's a little interesting now with COVID and everything and not knowing where that's going and why would you buy a building that you can't meet in, right, kind of deal. It's that sort of thing. It's thrown us for, you like that, Dave? That was good. And uh, so we're, but we want to pray about that by faith and say, Lord, do you want us to do that? So we would encourage you to continue to pray for that and put that before the Lord. We've got some big chunk faith steps yet to take with this. So getting the loan done was just step one, right? Step two now is these three steps, and they're as big a steps as this one was. And we need the Lord to be a part of that. So we just want to put that in front of you again. We want to encourage you uh, with your giving. And uh, remember that Move the Mountain is over and above uh, regular giving. So if you're here this morning or watching online, welcome. Um, it, it takes a team to do that, right? And we've always said it's not uh, equal gifts. Uh, we, we don't have the ability to give equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice, right? If everybody gave what Jesus asked them to give, we'd have more than enough. And so let's seek the Lord for that, and we'll, we'll keep moving forward with that one. Uh, also, uh, we have a new president, right, the elections, and whether you're encouraged by that or dismayed by that, uh, I just want to say uh, that we need to continue to be in prayer over that. Uh, Russell Johnson, he's the pastor of the Pursuit in Snohomish, friend of mine, he put it really well. I thought this kind of sums it up. He says, you know, just remember, Jesus didn't get voted in, and that means he can't get voted out, all right? So let's remember it's Jesus who's in charge of this. We sang about it this morning, right? It's, he's in charge of this. So let's keep leaning in by faith that way and, and keep in prayer. And then a third one uh, a kind of concern is that uh, our beloved chairman, Steve Doton, I got word from Janelle last night that he had a heart attack, all right? And he's at Providence, 90% blockage. Uh, they put a stent in from all reports at the moment. He's doing okay. Janelle is going to run up there uh, later this afternoon, hopefully be able to see him. Uh, she'll give us, but they certainly uh, would covet your prayers. This was really unexpected. And if you already know, um, he's got that condition. He's been fighting, he's been taking chemotherapy for this blood disorder. And uh, they found out apparently that the damage to his kidneys is more than they thought. And he got two eye infections. So they had to stop the chemo and they're not sure if the stem cell is still on the table. So they could use our prayers, family, and uh, let's lift him up, okay? All right, we need to pray before I start crying over that. All right, let's pray. Lord, we seek you. We seek you this morning for our country. Lord, certainly we need your help, and we pray for a mercy step from you, one that we don't deserve. We pray for a revival, Lord, and, and Lord, we'd pray to break out here in the Northwest, and we'd ask specifically for Mill Creek. Northwest has never had one. Nobody would believe if it happened here. Lord, it would certainly be of you if it did happen. And we, so therefore, we invite you into our territory. We invite you into our turf. We invite you here. Many would say, stay away. We would say, welcome, come. We want you here. And Lord, break out and do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And then, Lord, we, we'd lift up Steve and Janelle. My goodness, what a rough week and 
We seek you for our beloved friends, Lord, and uh, this has turned into a real difficult deal, uh, much more difficult than first anticipated. And Lord, we, we ask you for, on behalf of our friends to uh, intercede for them. And Lord, we seek for you to touch Steve's body and heal him and bring him back to health. And we, we certainly, uh, it matters to us greatly. So we lift that up to you. And then this morning, Lord, as we talk about um, your word, we're going to be talking about teams. You had a team. Jesus, you were great at building teams. You built a team that the world has never gotten over. We're going to talk about some different teams this morning. And we pray that you can use it to energize us as a body. And we give that to you with hope. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, take your Bibles, if you would. And um, we're in Philippians. If you're new or visiting this morning, right? Uh, hi, Jim and Peggy. Uh, if you're here, they're, in case they're hiding back there, so some of you know them, say hi to them. But uh, open to the book of Philippians. We're, it's called The Upward Call in this series. And uh, we're looking at uh, Paul writing this incredible church. And Paul loved the Philippian church. We've, we've seen that already. Uh, they were a great church. They, they had stuck with him through thick and thin, right? They had always been there for him. And they supported him financially through his whole ministry, and, um, but this morning we're going to find out that it wasn't just the Philippian church that Paul was grateful for, that there was some interactions going on. And the title of the message today is, I get by with a little help from my friends. All right, anybody, that song will be stuck in your head all week, so you won't have to worry about forgetting what the title of the message was. All right, as you're turning there this morning, let's start with the Apostle Paul. All right, just a few things about the Apostle Paul Number one, he is considered the greatest church planter in the history of the world, all right? If you want to talk about putting something on the map, nobody did it like Paul, okay? So John, take after Paul, you're in great shape. That's, you know, that's all you got to do. Not a big, yeah, no problem. <laughs> okay, number two, he's considered the greatest evangelist in the history of the world. He uh, just sparked that when you think of evangelists, you think of the apostle Paul, right? He went into place, the church never existed and it just broke out because of paul it's an incredible incredible story he's also considered one of the greatest if not the greatest theologians in the history of the world but when i bring that before you this morning here's the key point the key point in all this is that he did not do it alone there were whole teams of people that helped paul there were people that he recruited, there were people he discipled, there were people that joined him, and there were people that ran the trail with him. And because of those teams, Paul was able to do what he was able to do. Uh, he had help. He had a posse. You've heard me use that term a lot, and some, especially the kids, go, what's a posse? You know, I grew up in the era of the old westerns, all right? Anybody else with me, right? You watch the old westerns, the Lone Ranger, all that kind of stuff, Gunsmoke, uh, just to name a few, and... Uh, right? The bad guys would come into town, right? And they would rob the bank and they would steal all those good people's money. And those poor people had no way to get it back. They were good and honest people in the town. And so the sheriff had to go after them. And when the sheriff would go after him, he couldn't go after him by himself, right? He had to have a team go with him. So he would go through the town and conscript the local people, mostly the men, and he would grab them and uh, he would form what was called a posse. And the posse's job was to ride with the sheriff and accomplish the task of getting the townspeople's money back for him. Uh, to ride posse was considered an honor and a duty. And the reason for that is that it was dangerous. Okay? Bandits and robbers shot back and they weren't inclined to give themselves up. They didn't just say, oh, we're scared, okay, we quit. No, that's not how it went, right? So this, this was a dangerous, dangerous thing. And the call of the sheriff coming to you and looking you in the eye and saying, hey, will you ride posse with me, was a call to courage, all right? There was a sudden need that came up. It hadn't been anticipated. Will you ride with me? And uh, that has uh, stuck in American folklore uh, forever, uh, and basically what the sheriff is saying is, hey, if we don't help our people, nobody will. There isn't any other place for help to come from but us. We've, we've got to do this together. And the sheriff had to know that he could depend 
on the men that he was riding the trail with, right? It wasn't going to do him any good if they got halfway there and then they all peeled off. He had to know they would go all the way through. Um, in the old Western lore, this was knowing you could wade the river together, right? You didn't get halfway across stream and then turn back. Uh, and why? Because it was going to be hard work. Now, let's jump back to Paul. And what my suggestion is with that context in mind, Paul had a posse. There was a whole group of men and women who helped him in the missionary journeys. And this morning, we're going to meet two of them. Uh, we're going to look, if you open up to Philippians 2, and uh, we're going to start with verse 19. We're introduced to Timothy. Paul says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Now, Timothy, if you look in the New Testament, he shows up all over the place. Uh, we first find him in Acts 16. If you want to turn there, you can look at him. But uh, just some things from Timothy. We know that Timothy came from a mixed marriage. Uh, his father was a Greek. His mother was a Jewish believer. And uh, fascinating story because uh, Timothy's, uh, we'll find out later, is in Lystra, which is central Turkey. And how his mom and grandmother became believers way early, uh, that far removed from Jerusalem, is really kind of a, nobody knows how that happened, but it's got to be a fascinating tale, and I'd love to find out from the Lord how that actually worked out. But he came from a mixed marriage. Both his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois were believers, and they raised him in the fear of the Lord and uh, admonition of the Lord. And Paul first met Timothy at Lystra. Lystra is the city where Paul got stoned. Remember, they drug him out of the city and left him as dead, and then he woke back up. Uh, many scholars believe he was dead, and God rose him back to life. And then he walked back into the same town that had just stoned him. So Paul's a crazy dude, right? And uh, in there, he formed a church, and Timothy was very well spoken of by the brethren. And so Paul took Timothy, and, uh, and interesting with Timothy, Paul, of course, was talking about faith and then not circumcision, but he actually had Timothy circumcised because Timothy, people knew that his father was a Greek and his mother was a Jewish and a believer, so he had Timothy circumcised so that he would know that he was wholly committed to the Lord. And uh, he wouldn't have to answer that question everywhere they went. Uh, so it's an interesting story. Timothy was with Paul and Silas when Paul actually planted the church in Philippi. So he was acquainted with it. He was very familiar with it. Uh, Timothy was sent on several assignments by Paul. Uh, one in this letter being that uh, he was sent to Philippi to see how they were doing because Paul wasn't able to go there because he was uh, in prison. He ends up, historically, we know that he ends up as in Ephesus as the head pastor of the church of Ephesus. So when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and Timothy later became the head pastor of that church. And legend has it that he was martyred either by Emperor Domitian or Nerva. And so Timothy himself ended up giving his life for the cause of Christ. We also find out in First and Second Timothy, which, by the way, were the last two books that Paul wrote before he was beheaded by Caesar, that Timothy ran into a few problems of being taken seriously because he was so young. And either he was young or young-looking or whatever, but there's several admonitions from Paul. Don't let anybody look down uh, or discriminate against you because of your youthfulness. Uh, and so apparently he had some problems being taken seriously. And so Paul's encouraging him to, to stand up and own your role. And in this letter, we see Paul commend Timothy to the Philippian church. In verses 19 to 22, Paul, uh, if you look there in the verses, Paul's commendation of Timothy says this. I have no one else like him. Now think of who Paul was. And think about if you're Timothy and Paul says, I have no one else like him. It tells you that Timothy was unique in his uh, loyalty, unique in his um, uh, followership of the Apostle Paul to the point where Paul says, there's nobody who does it like Timothy. Right? And he's telling the Philippian church that that's really high commendation. And he says, I'm sending him to you to get an encouraging report from you. I can't come, but I'll send Timothy, and that's good enough. All right? So you tell Timothy the good news, he'll come back, he'll fill me in. Uh, he says that Timothy 
has a genuine concern for your interest, Philippian church, and that's because Timothy was there when Paul had founded it, right? And so he's saying that. He says, Timothy has proven worth. Paul says, as a kingdom player, as somebody who's in the ministry with me, who somebody who's gone through the trials with me, Timothy's proven his mettle, okay? He's got chutzpah, okay? He's, he's got wheels, and, uh, and any other way we say that in our culture. Take him seriously, right? This guy's got the goods. And his loyalty to Paul was unquestioned. Paul says that he'll send Timothy as soon as he finds out how it will go with him. And uh, again, i.e., since I can't come right away, Paul says, I'll send Timothy, and I hope to join you later as well. Uh, scholars are not sure if Paul ever got there or not. Some think he did. Some don't think he did. Uh, it's a mixed bag on that. Uh, but the point here is that Timothy was a loyal lieutenant. He was somebody that Paul trusted and trustworthy in terms of carrying out an assignment. And Timothy was one of the reasons that Paul was so successful is because he had players like Timothy on his team. The next person we meet in Paul's posse is Epaphroditus. All right, he's just in the following verses. And of Epaphroditus, we learn that he was a member of the Philippian church. So Epaphroditus would have known Paul and Timothy. He was probably there when Paul planted the church. Uh, it seems like Epaphroditus was either uh, one of the leaders in the Philippian church or uh, one of the up-and-coming young guys who was trustworthy to be given an assignment. And so he was sent out uh, by the church, <clears throat> and he had a very, so he was held in very high regard by the church. And then he had a very specific assignment. He was to deliver the church had put together a gift, all right? Much like we're going to do a thank offering for the Hardaways, they had put a thank offering together for Paul, and they were going to send it to him. They had to have somebody to take it, and so they picked Epaphroditus because he was trustworthy, and they sent it by him. And then Epaphroditus was the one who brought the letter from Paul, uh, the letter to the Philippians, back to the Philippian church. So he had two assignments there. In the process of ministering to Paul, he became uh, gravely ill, deathly ill, and almost died. Now, we don't think about this these days, but back in those days, if you were like traveling from uh, Philippi and you were heading towards Rome, there's all kinds of dangerous things that could happen, bandits, robbers, shipwrecked at sea, even something as simple as crossing creeks and rivers, right? If the temperature's cold and uh, you, uh, you hear many stories like in the Revolutionary War of guys who rode their horse across the river, came down with pneumonia and died, right? And, and we don't think about that anymore because we don't have to wade. We have bridges nowadays. But uh, in those days, simple things like that could go really wrong. And so Epaphroditus, we don't know exactly how he got ill, we don't know if it was from some bad food or what, but he got to the point where he almost died, and Paul was uh, in despair over this. But he recovered, and because of that, Paul held him as a hero and said that he is to be held in, in high regard for his sacrifice of the gospel. Uh, if you go through the New Testament, Paul has lots of other posse during his ministry career. Here's just a sampling of some of the guys who were Paul's posse. You know these names. You've heard these names over the years. If you've been in church, you've heard these names preached to you, right? Barnabas, John, Mark, right? We know John Mark's loopy story. Uh, Silas, Silvanus, uh, one of the top trusted lieutenants of Paul. Luke, the doctor, the writer, right? Wrote the book of Luke and then the book of Acts. Demas, who pitched out halfway through. Titus, there's a book of him in the New Testament. Priscilla and Aquila, ministry couple, had a church in their house. And... Uh, uh, did all kinds of things. As a matter of fact, Paul might not have survived if it had not been for Priscilla and Aquila. Amazing couple. Philemon, there's another book, Sosthenes, uh, and this isn't everybody. There's Apollos, and there's, there's a bunch of others who you, you read about these people. They, uh, there's a lot of them, but how you find out about it, if you go to the end of several of the epistles, for example, the book of Romans. If you go to the book of Romans, uh, he lists a host of others who helped in spreading the gospel and help to maintain the ministry. And what, why Paul did that is because these people were invaluable. Okay, He's just simply saying, look, I cannot do, I cannot pull off what I'm supposed to pull off 
without this team. I need these people. They're incredibly helpful. <clears throat> and over and over, Paul is thanking people who've made it possible for the gospel to spread, and not just spread, but pr- proliferate, right? He's incredibly grateful for them. Yes, he was the catalyst and leader. Without Paul, you don't have much, right? But without their help, he would never uh, have as near a successful ministry as he had had. And this just highlights the power of a team, right? Uh, The old Nigerian proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, right? And um, Paul went far because he went together. He had a whole team with him. Uh, So much more got done because he had loyal, faithful, hardworking, sacrificial team around him. And that's what he's talking about here. And so then the question is, okay, so where does that land for us? All right? If Paul, the Apostle Paul, if the Apostle Paul needed posse, if Paul needed a team, how much more do we need a team? All right? People to ride the trail with, people who walk the path of life together with us. And actually, Norfew, I want to tell you something. This is one of the things that we do really, really well around here. Okay? We may be not so good at some things, but one of the things we are incredibly good at is team. And let me just give you uh, a couple, couple examples um, because I love this church for that. Uh, for example, Trunk or Treat, we just did that event. Kayla throws a thing out, hey, we're going to do this with somebody. And all kinds of people volunteered to decorate the creativity. And did, it was a great event. But what was amazing about the event wasn't just that it was held, but when it was done. What was incredible is within a half hour, 40 minutes of that thing being done, everything was clean, picked up, parking lot swept, everything in church put back together. Boom, we were ready to go for Sunday, okay? Just like that. Why? Because everybody pitched in. I had people ask me, Steve, can I bring cones in? Can we do this? What else do you need help for? Uh, it It was incredible. Step by step, we've just announced that. You know, we've done that now for the last six years. Uh, we've mobilized as a body and served a whole group of people that we don't even really know. You ever thought about that? <laughs> we know some of them now because after six years we built relationship with them. But at the beginning, we didn't know any of them. And uh, we've helped them in their struggle with life. We've helped moms who decided to keep their babies. And we said, you know what? We don't care if we know you're not. We're going to help you. And we pitched in as a body together. And by the way, just a reminder, this year is going to be different, right? It's a different flow and rhythm because we can't do it in here. So we're going to be doing it out there. And uh, we're going to need teams and that kind of stuff. And if some of you just want to volunteer to come and cheer as people drive in, that would be fantastic. But if you want to know how to do it, get a hold of Pam, right? Our garage is full of stuff right now, packed with step-by-step stuff. And uh, we're hoping to dump it into Kayla's office this week. Oh, I love having that daughter. All right. And... Uh, but, but we're rolling, okay? So now's the time to get on it. And if you're not sure what to do, just get a hold of Pam and, and ask for help that way. But uh, back to the event, what's amazing about it, and you guys have been here, right? We do this whole thing. We, when we did it in the building, we run everybody through. And when it's done, everybody pitches in, everybody cleans up, vacuum cleaners are going, tables are rolled, and chairs are put back. And usually by 9.30, 10 at the latest, it's all done and bang, ready to go for Sunday. It's astonishing to watch. It is incredible to watch. It's one of the great joys. I watch people and just going, this is so stinking cool, right? Just to watch everybody pitching in together. It's an incredible uh, team. It's an amazing uh, team event. We serve a lot of people. And if you've, how many of you have been a part of that, right? At home, I know you're raising, I can't see you, sorry. But, right, you know what I'm talking about. It's It's a great deal. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's just many, many benefits of the whole team thing here at Norfolk. Uh You've benefited from a team effort this morning and you don't even know it, okay? Especially if you're at home because you can't see it. But um, did you notice the sound booth this morning, right? It's a little different. Well, the problem is our old sound booth didn't work because we've had to add the whole streaming component to it. And so nothing, we ha- couldn't fit and we were hanging out the side and we look like a used car lot and that kind of stuff. And so uh, <clears throat> uh, what they did was um, 
the problem with the old booth, it was underpowered, it was too small, not technically set up right. So the whole team of Northview's technical experts, right, uh, came in and tore the whole thing down and then rebuilt it. Hats off to Dave Drinkle. He's the captain of that ship back there. All right, and, but then Dave Weed, yeah, Chris Lankow, Shannon Fallon, Doug Porter, Peter Bond. It was a huge undertaking, and we did that in less than a week. As a matter of fact, we jury-rigged it together yesterday so we could do a funeral for a family here, and it was awesome, all right? That all came together because of that team. And, and trust me, I watched and talked to those guys this week. Their efforts were sacrificial, all right? It was an incredible deal. Uh, thank you for giving them a hand. Uh, and all I can say to that is you better be grateful as a church family that that job wasn't left to me to figure out, all right? I am really good on the destruction part. You want something torn apart? Hey, I'm your guy. Give me a sledgehammer. Let's go. We, I'm great at that. It's the putting back together part. And I'm not so technically savvy as uh, some of those guys are. Uh, you know, and the idea there that, uh, you know, you really don't want me messing with the computers or that stuff. Uh, the idea that the head pastor does everything around here or is in charge of everything is really a misnomer. It's not true. It's teams of people who just come in and they know what to do and they know how to do it and they roll. And that's why Northview has momentum, okay? Certainly, like Paul, I have a place, right? I have a job. But there's stuff I don't, I, I look at that, they're talking. I walked up to them, they were talking. There were four of them. And I said, I'm gonna go find a dumber group. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, all right? So it's just, you know, it's very scary to have me in charge of stuff like that. But boy, what a great, it just points to the fact that a team can do together what individuals can't, right? And they can accomplish so much more so quickly. And together, they've made this all better for us as a church family, even those of you watching this morning. So uh, gratefulness is good. And there's countless, countless ways this happens at Northview. For example, the worship team. Most people don't realize they're all volunteer every Sunday, right? They give up their time, they get, except for Esther, right? She leads the team, but everybody else is volunteer. Uh, another team in church that you would almost never even know exists, the custodial team, right? People who volunteer during the week, come in during the week, and you never see them, never hear them, and yet church won't operate without the stuff of what they do. There's just all kinds of teams like that. But, um, you know, by the way, if you're new and, and you're trying to figure out uh, how to fit in the best way uh, the best way to do that at Northview is to join another team, and that's called community groups, all right? Uh, community groups are where we stay together and connected by small groups. And this is the number one way we do posse or team here at Northview. You need to know that, okay? So if you're sitting on the outside and say, man, I can't, you need to get connected into a community group. Um, this became astounding and clear how valuable this was when COVID hit, right? Do you remember that when COVID hit and we, we broke into our community groups and, and just did it all that way because that's all we could do? And uh, that, that was so powerful. And it may be, uh, become even more abundantly clear again if we have to shut down again, right? Because we'll go right back to that setting and that format and, and putting that back together. So uh, community groups are incredibly valuable. By staying small, we stay connected. And by staying connected, we keep moving. Our community groups keep our momentum and sense of being connected solid while everything else is being shaken. If you want to belong here at Northview, find a team and get plugged in. It's the best route for relationship. Okay? And if you don't know it by now, at Northview, we are a relational church. Okay? That's the center of the target for us. We think that theology is really important. Okay? We think that behaving right is really important. But that's not the center of the target. The center of the target is being in right relationship. Right relationship with God this way, right relationship with each other this way. And we work at that, we pound at that, we go after that. That is our DNA. That's what marks us. That's what makes us unique as a church. And we're going to stay with that. All right? And so you have to plug into that if you want to join us, and you've got to get connected, and you've got to get connected into a small group. Again, the point being, if Paul needed posse, then certainly we do as well. So if I had to ask the question this morning, 
who is your posse? What would your response be? Now, some of you are going to say, oh, boom, 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 right? Uh, Pam and I went out with our posse last night. We had a great time. Who's your posse? If you have no names, you've got to seek the Lord on that, and you've got to ask the Lord to give you posse. Lord, I need to have a team, a group of people I'm connected with that I plug in with here at Northview. Uh, if you say, if the posse language is throwing you, who walks the trail of life with you? Uh, who knows your strengths and weakness? Who, a better way to ask this that is really telltale in our American Christian culture is we have a tendency to be plastic, right? How are you doing? Fine. And we're fine with each other for 40 years. And we never know the real story. That is just bogus, all right? Somebody who's your posse, they know your strengths, they know your weaknesses. Question this morning, who knows your sins? Anybody? Who knows your sins? Who could you trust to tell your sins to? We, we do sin. Hello, church, right? Not other us here make sinful choices, yeah, right? Who do you share that with? If, if you just bottle that up inside, then you go toxic, you go sour, you go hard, there's, you've got to get it out. That's why God says if we conf- our healing comes from confessing our sins to each other. Right? And so I want to encourage you to be thinking about that. Who knows your sins? And if crisis were to hit, who would you call? Who's the first phone call? There are two other important takeaways from this morning as well, besides that. Uh, the first one comes out of Paul's relationship with Timothy. And Paul discipled Timothy. And what that means is Paul invested in Timothy. He built in Timothy. He taught Timothy. He said, Timothy, here's how life in Jesus works. Here's what you've got to know. Here's what you've got to do. And if you're going to be a leader then, here's what you're going to have to shift to. You're going to have to figure these things out. Let me help you. And so he discipled Timothy. Timothy was who he was because of Paul's investment in him. Okay. And the question this morning is, are you in that process yourself? And you're saying, oh, I, d- I don't know. I don't really have uh, uh, someone who's discipling. No, no, no. Wrong question. Not who's discipling you. Who are you discipling? You're going, what? Yeah. Who are you discipling? Who, who are you investing in? Is there anybody you're investing in. When I meet with guys and we go through several books together and Johnny's sitting right there and Johnny and I have met, and I said, Johnny, here's your job. When we're done with this, your job is to take someone else through what I just took you through and walk them through the same thing. And here's the reason why. Because you learn far more as a teacher than you ever do as a student. Okay? You want to talk about humility, you want to talk about eye-opening, is when you're telling something else some to your disciple, and then the Lord taps you on the shoulder and goes, ah, yeah, that's good. Can we talk about that? Uh. <laughs> you just see it with a different set of eyes because you see it through the Lord's eyes. And so the question this morning is, uh, who are you pouring into? Who are you life coaching in terms of the Christian faith in Jesus? Anybody. If not, <clears throat> you need to be praying for a Timothy. Okay. Um, I don't know what the girl's name for Timothy would be, right? Uh, but you, gals, you know what I'm saying. You've got to have someone the same way, right? Who are you investing in that it's refreshing your batteries and turning over and causing you to learn the Scripture in a deeper way? One of the ways to really learn your faith and the lessons that come with it is to impart it to another person. So who is your Timothy? Timothy. And if you don't have one, again, that's a great prayer. God, give me a Timothy. Give me somebody who's asking for help and let me pour in the investment that others and you have made in me. Let me pour it into them. And you'll learn Jesus on a completely different level. Boy, you'd be surprised how real church gets when you come doing that. The second takeaway comes courtesy of of Epaphroditus. Uh, we see that his service for the church and for Paul was, and the word used of him was sacrificial. All right? In other words, it cost him something. It wasn't just business as business and routine as routine. 
he was given an assignment that really probably through, uh, we don't know if Epaphroditus was married or if he was single or what, but obviously he had to live, leave his hometown, had to leave his church, and he had to take off to Rome, which in that day was the big city, right? And he had to run through Rome. And, uh, you know, it, so what I'm trying to say here is it cost him something. Uh, in, this, in his case, it nearly cost him his life. What started out as an assignment, he ended up getting sick and almost died from it. And so it became very costly. But here's the point. Epaphroditus didn't just sit there, he served. Okay? And if you're talking about energy, you're talking about momentum, notice the people who have it here at Norfolk are the ones who engage. It's not just the ones who sit and listen, it's the ones who engage. It's the ones who say, can I help? What can I do? Can I, is there something you need done? And we point people to teams all the time. And if you're in that spot this morning, uh, I just want to encourage you to get a hold of Shannon, right? Shannon F at nview.org or call him, right? And get a hold of Shannon. Say, Shannon, plug me into a team. I need to be plugged into a team, all right? That's a great way to do it. But when it comes to Epaphroditus, it was a lot of work to get to Rome, right? You didn't call Uber and just pick up a ride and, and head to Rome. You, it took a long time to get there. But that's not even the biggest part. Imagine trying to find Paul in Rome, right? There's no email, there's no uh, Google, there's no, right, there's no Google Maps, there's no, you don't have any of that stuff, right? You have to go through the city and somehow hunt and find where Paul is. And I want to suggest to you that wasn't an easy task. Epaphroditus had to really do some detective work and sleuthing around and checking with the church there to figure out where Paul was. What's important about that? When you think about your relationship with the Lord and you think about your connection here at Norview, one of the questions I would ask this morning is any part of that carry what I would call a sacrificial component. Right? And what I mean by that is something that costs you something. Something that uh, takes out of your schedule. Something that you wouldn't naturally do otherwise. Okay? I'm looking across the room. Many, many of you do this already, so get off the guilt trip. Okay? You're in great shape. All right? Many of you are already there. But some of us might not be. And the question is, can you identify a sacrificial component? Is there a cost to your service with Jesus? What does it cost you? Where, where does it cost you? Because what you find out is the stuff that costs you becomes valuable. Something that's given to you often isn't treated very well. I remember when I was a youth pastor, uh, and this is years ago, so hopefully the story won't matter, but uh, there was a, a gal up at Inglemore High School, and her dad gave her a brand new 911 uh, Cherry, uh, um, what's the car? Porsche, 911 Porsche, all right? Cherry color red, gorgeous car. She totaled it in six months, okay? So her dad gave her another brand new 911 Porsche cherry red car. She totaled that within six months. Okay? Meanwhile, out in the high school parking lot, what do you see? You saw guys with their Ramblers and their Chevys and the stuff that they had worked for, and what are they doing? They're out there polishing their car, right? It's a rust bucket, but what? It's valuable to them. Why? Because it costs them something. All right? It costs them something. And one of the ways to make Jesus valuable to you is to ask him to do something that costs you something so that it matters to you because you own it, right? That's the whole goal of a kid growing up in church. What's the whole goal of a kid growing up in church? The whole goal is that they would meet Jesus in such a way that Jesus would ask them to do something they wouldn't normally do. Why? Like a mission trip or something, get them out of their bubble. Why? Because then it cost them something. And because it cost them something, because they had to earn money, they had to put time in, they had to do this stuff, it cost them something and it becomes valuable to them. Jesus matters because it costs them, right? That's just human nature. And so the question is this morning, has it cost you anything? All right, so here's three questions off of the morning. And at home, this will work for you as well. Uh, here's three questions that are the takeaways. Number one, who's your team? Who's your posse? Can you identify him? Number two, who's your Timothy? Do you have one? Who are you pouring into? Not who's pouring into you. Who are you pouring into? And number three, what is sacrificial? 
What is sacrificial in your service? We've talked this fall about the need that we need to be steadfast, right? That we need to be united, that we need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And the fourth one is what? That we would love each other deeply. That only comes from the Holy Spirit. That only comes from God. But that can come to the surface if you know who's your team, if you know who's your Timothy, and if you know it's sacrificial. Does that make sense, church? All right, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this. Those are great examples. Those are historic guys. Some of us uh, long to meet them in heaven and ask how the story actually went. And Lord, we can learn from their life examples. That's why they were written down. They were written down for us who would be at the end of the ages. And Lord, we are at the end of the ages, and so we seek you this morning on whatever level you spoke. It will not be the same for all of us here in the auditorium. Some will be really encouraged because they're already doing it. Some will go, wow, I, I don't have a team. Some will say, man, I do not have a Timothy. Some will say, I'm not doing anything sacrificial. Lord, that's a conversation you can run with people all week long and, and for the rest of our lives. And Lord, uh, the hope is that that could allow us to just blow up for service and sacrifice for you. Lord, again, we'd ask you for a mercy step in, in Mill Creek. We had asked for your manifest presence to come and be a part of this community. We seek you to be alive and reaching out to people who don't know you. Lord, there are many, many people in Mill Creek who once walked with you, and they need to repent and turn around and come back. And Lord, we seek you for that. And when they do, we pray that we would be good disciplers, Lord. We pray that we'd take good care of the Timothys you send us. And so we seek you for that. We're going into the Christmas season, Lord, the Thanksgiving season. Lord, it's the holidays. We ask for your favor as we head that way, and we pray for mercy for our country, and lift this up to you in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Stand with us as you're able as we close this morning.
team. Who's your team? Who's your Timothy? What's sacrificial? Father, may you anoint that and impress that and not let that go from us. Work with us. Talk with us this week. We seek you for that. And God's people said, amen. amen. All right, everybody, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us this morning online. And again, church here, if you would go out the back doors, right, and not out the other way, it'd be very helpful. So thank you. <laughs>